0: Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Andy, Don, and Dude.
1: Welcome in. It is the Album Nerds Podcast. I'm Dude. Got Andy and Don with me. Hello,
2: fellas. How you doing? You ready to talk some albums? Hello, Dude. Yeah, I am. I actually had a big announcement that I want to do. Uh, I'll just get out there to, listen to the listening audience actually launching the Andy nerds podcast, uh, <laughs> immediately following this episode It'll be available everywhere. You get the album nerds podcast, uh, just wanted to let everybody know.
1: <laughs> Additionally to that, Don and I are looking to replace Andy with someone named Randy, preferably. <laughs> <laughs> well, Don, are you going to leave now too? I mean, is it going to be the Album Nerds podcast with, with Randy, Ron, and dude? If that's what it takes, that's what it takes. <laughs> All right, so we've got a really great show, talking about three albums, we'll be answering a question, and we will be spinning the Wheel of Musical Destiny at the end of the show, and that's beautiful thing, dictates to us what kind of albums we'll be exploring next. So, But this week, we're going to be talking about
0: artists that have gone solo what I'm talking about! Yeah, so this one doesn't need much of uh, an explanation. Uh, basically, we're, we're choosing artists who are in a successful or an established band who, you know, went on to, to record solo. Uh, so we're, yeah, we're, we're each going to present one of those today.
2: You choo- choo- choose me? All we right, get things started here with a release from Peter Gabriel formerly of Genesis, uh, and his third studio album, simply entitled Peter Gabriel 3, a.k.a. the Melt Face record, called that because the album art features half of his face dripping down his face. <laughs> this album came out in May of 1980, featured quite a few popular singles. We are going to play one of those now. This is a little bit of Games Without Frontiers. War Without Tears. Without frontiers, without tears. all right i guess i assume you guys have heard that song before right it oh, yeah. was the one that really stuck out for me as i've been hearing quite a bit on the radio prior to listening to this for the show
1: i have a pet peeve in songs when someone rhymes a word with the same word but he skirts it by having frontiers rhyme with tears and i i like that <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and, and the Kate Bush vocal on, on there is also nice. It's a nice touch to uh, balance out the sweet and the sour.
2: Yeah, yeah, we didn't mention that. So on uh, Games of Frontiers, there's a, and I had known this incorrectly, it's actually French, and like you said, it's Kate Bush, referencing a French TV show by the name Games Without Frontiers, which apparently uh, featured uh, different contestants from different countries competing against each other, from what I gather. Yeah, he's quite the wordsmith. Uh, He really seems very intentional with his lyrics and the way he pronounces and presents things. So I definitely appreciate that, digging this record a little bit more recently. Um, So this record was known for the gated drum technique. You guys familiar with this? It's basically a production style which allowed the drums to be a little bit more punchy and more forward in the mix, but also very clean, very, I guess you'd say 80s in terms of that. That style. I think it works pretty well. Honestly, I didn't think this record, when I first heard about it a few years ago, I didn't think it was from the 80s. I kind of thought it was more of a, a recent record. I don't know. What do you guys think? Is this, Does this sound like an 80s record to you guys?
0: I, I do think it has a, a timeless quality to it, and and I suppose you, you could mistake it for a, a more modern album. I know a few of the songs utilize, uh, is it the the Farlight synth, the, the CMI? <laughs> like a lot of synthesizers, you're basically creating a sound from, from scratch. Um, but the, the far light is actually a, a sampler, you know, so you would just sample, like, you know, you could hit a spoon on your glass or something, and then you can mess with the sound and then you can play it uh, you know, on any note. I hear that instrument a, a lot on, on this album. Uh, and that's, that 1980 time is is a, is uh, really when that the samplers were really you know becoming prominent in synth pop. Yeah, so it's kind of of its time uh, from that perspective. I think the way that he was
1: able to make it sound like it was out of its time, and yes, the tools are very 80s. I don't know how to explain it, but it's got a medieval feel to it. It's very it's bizarre. I don't know how he pulled it off, but that's kind of what he did in this period. Well
2: one of the, one of the things that i i found when i was researching it was that he was very intentionally did not want any metal recorded on this record particularly the drum kit so phil collins plays drums on a handful of tracks here i think he contributed some ideas to some others and peter requested that he removed all the the metal from his kit as well as like the cymbals and the hi-hats and stuff like that so maybe that's contributing a little bit to this out of time sound uh and there are a lot of weird effects i mean um actually why don't we play the opening cut here this is called intruder which is just a really creepy song or a hell of a way to open a, a very progressive song i think that's why i came to appreciate this record was how it really married like the progressive ideas with like more of like a pop sensibility um so let me play a little bit of of that opening cut here this is intruder some really like kind of left field sounds come up in that song there. and sounds like just air whooshing by every once in a while and some queaks and stuff and clinks and occasionally come up. It's just a very interesting soundscape on that song in particular, but the whole record is, I think, really benefits from a from a close listen. The three words I come up with for this describe this record were progressively produced pop, because it really is kind of a marriage of those two ideas. I was, I was surprised how much Talking Heads I felt heard in this record. I'm um, kind of more of a, a fan of that group. But there's also songs in here that are quite a bit different and a lot more, I guess, avant-garde. One of those is the closing cut titled Biko, which is about a South African anti-apartheid activist, uh, Stephen Biko. Who was murdered by police in the late 70s and that song is kind of just describes the situation there and you know it talks about why maybe why those things happened and did they need to happen um, why don't we play a little bit of that right now he
1: always has that kind of world music thing going on in his yeah in his solo stuff
2: yeah totally Keeps up in a couple songs here. I don't know. So I didn't really get you guys' general opinions. What do you What do you think of, of this record and, I guess, Peter's solo material in general?
0: I really like this, this album. It's probably my second favorite of his solo albums. You're, you're right. I mean, your, your point about... Him striking a balance between pop and and progressive, Uh, he does that so well in in his solo career. Growing up, you know, I had the album "So," you know, which was the big one, was Sledgehammer and In Your Eyes, Uh, and I also had the. I think I had gotten it from Columbia House or something, the, the Shaking the Tree singles compilation. Um, until later in life, I really only knew like the four singles from this album that, that appeared on that. But then I, I had the pleasure of seeing Peter Gabriel about 10 years ago when he was touring for So. And, uh, you know, I wanted to do some homework in preparation for that. So I finally went back and, and listened to this album. And I'm glad I did because, I mean, these songs just, I think, sound better in the context of the, the, the whole record. I think this is excellent.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I really enjoyed this album as well. It's among my favorites of his. I'm in the very same boat as Don. I had those same albums and <laughs> I knew the same things and, uh, streaming services and then going to record shops and buying old records helped. I picked this one up on vinyl. I never, without ever hearing it before, but it looked interesting. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a showcase of, of his, Of who he is as an artist and what he was shooting for I think he had freedom I mean he was in the Genesis from 67 to 75 and there was always you had to deal with a band you had to deal with them wanting to go in this direction or that direction and he found a way especially with these electronic tools that started becoming available that's how he found his own sound where no one could tell him any you know anything else
2: he's he's very intellectual with his lyrics I I Reading along with, with the album, I was really impressed by how much depth there was to them, or is to them. There's a lot of interesting topics he goes through, you know, depression, this voyeuristic thing, and in intruder, uh, which is a really creepy song. If you ever read the lyrics on that, it's it gets to a really weird place.
0: Yeah. The family snapshot was, you know, particularly chilling, you know, after, you know, with all the shootings going on and stuff, you know, it kind of has a different impact than it had on me in the in the past. But,
2: yeah, totally. It's kind of from the perspective of uh, someone who's close to a prominent political figure and he's planning his assassination, essentially. Yeah, I was hesitant to play that on the show, but it, it is really effective and uh, how he presents it. Yeah, so, I mean, the record itself is very clean, like you'd expect from the 80s, but I think his, his voice adds so much richness and texture to the album that doesn't, for me, like I was saying, doesn't really feel as tied to the 80s as as you might expect, knowing some of the production techniques and the tools they were using.
0: Yeah, they've always treated his vocals pretty uh, interestingly. I mean I I think a lot of times when he's singing in a higher register, it's usually double tracked or there's a, a lot of reverb on it. But there's just this Peter Gabriel vocal sound that's um, you know sort of
2: iconic, I think. Yeah, very very distinct voice. Um, I want to give a shout out to a user on the Album Discord. Obi Mark 3, who had recommended this album a little while back. Served as a good reminder to go back and listen to it and it worked out perfectly for this show. So uh yeah. Thanks, uh Obi Mark. Uh let's see. So anything else you guys want to talk about uh Melts here?
0: Good album. <laughs> yeah, good. Danny <Donnie> like Lakey. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you haven't heard Melt, uh, definitely check it out. They remastered it recently and it sounds good. fantastic.
0: Excuse me. I'd like to ask you a few questions.
1: And now it's time on the podcast when we ask ourselves a question What are your thoughts on reunion albums? Who would you want to see get back together?
2: Yeah, I want to see the Albemarest podcast get back together. I hear that they were really good, but now that they're broken up. There's that shakeup at the top of the show, but I think we're
1: mending fences as we as we move forward.
2: We'll see. We'll see how it goes.
0: Some people are clamoring for the original lineup, just the original two. That's
1: <laughs> <Jeez>. No. The- <laughs> Maybe saying. they are. <laughs> we'll have to look into that. We'll look at the numbers. <laughs>
0: Uh, you know, as a, as a big Smiths fan, I mean, that's always something people talk about is, you know, reuniting Morrissey and, and Johnny Marr. And, uh, you know, there was probably a, a time in my life where I'd be like, yeah, I really want that. But I find, just like with, with TV shows or movies, you know, when things come back for a, a sequel, you know, sometimes the magic can't be re- recreated. You know, like the, the yeah. return of arrested development, you know, is a, oh, a I think a, a right. big disappointment. Um, so that's
1: the group that I was going to say, I want to to get back together. Arrested development. <laughs> Funny. Tennessee. I remember that. Mr. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking about
0: the TV show though, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, sometimes I think it's best to, to let things uh, leave them alone.
1: Uh, you know, the older I've gotten, the more that has been true in my mind too. Like, The one that I wanted to happen the most did. Soundgarden got back together. And, you know, not that it was, not that it wasn't good, but I've changed too, you know? So, and they've changed. And it's not, you can't recapture whatever you felt or who you were and who they were. So, I mean, for me, any band that broke up or kicked someone out, Skid Row, whoever, Go for it. I'm all for it, but I'm not expecting it to to be the same in any way. I'll just enjoy it for what it is.
2: Might be a good topic for a future Album Nerds podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So uh, how about you all out there listening? What are your thoughts about reunion albums? And if you're into it, who do you want us to get back together? Let us know on the socials at Album Nerds and on the Album Nerd Discord. <laughs>
2: so we met you know i'm just a guy i'm gonna write
0: songs i love the way he says songs uh the, the album uh, i'm bringing to the table is uh, john lennon's first solo album um uh, known as john lennon plastic ono band it was actually released at the same time as yoko ono plastic ono band uh, john and Yoko, you know put out these albums with the same backing band who, who wore it better <laughs> you know, uh, I surprisingly I, I, I had to I had to listen to the the Yoko on album, and it's it's actually not bad. I mean, it, huh? it's yeah, it's listenable. I mean, the music is good, but you know, then you have a lot of Yoko, you know, doing her thing. Right. It's performance art. It's <laughs> yeah. it's it's yeah. a different, different. approach, different, you know? A yeah, lot
1: yeah. of yeah, 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 yeah,
0: kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but it's <laughs> uh, it's it's worth checking out. But anyway, so this was uh, released in December 1970, you know, not long after the the Beatles had uh, officially broken up. why don't we listen to uh, a track called uh, Isolation? Don't they
2: know we so afraid I
0: isolation oh. god yeah that one gives me chills this whole record is just <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i love how he does that ah, I. I think it's gonna be about like i did this or whatever like ah, i love you or whatever but then mm. the using ice mm. breaking up isolation that way is really effective mm. yeah good point you know the eye of isolation
2: eye of isolation oh wow he's that, a smart guy
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's the, the smart guy uh, was born John Winston Lennon, October 9th, uh, nineteen forty. And so the the Plastic Ono Band is uh, it's basically John Lennon and uh, on bass you've got Klaus Vorman. and uh, on drums you've got Ringo Starr. Uh, on one track you've got uh, Billy Preston uh, on piano and Phil Spector, who was uh, who co-produced the album, plays some piano as well. Uh, and that's basically it. So it's a it's a pretty you know, a pretty basic album, uh, pretty raw. You know, the only real studio techniques I hear are just some double tracking uh, on the vocals. Uh, the three words I, I chose to describe the album were primal scream therapy. So thanks to, to Wikipedia, the unofficial fourth member of the Yellow Nerds <laughs> podcast.
2: Say, what would we do?
0: <laughs> so uh, you know, I guess the story goes that that Lennon and Ono, you know, were undergoing. You know, primal scream therapy at this time, and I think it's really re- just reflected in in, in the album. Yeah, I think there's some you know personal revelation going on. There's some primal scream going on. Uh, so yeah. So what 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 are your thoughts on the the Plastic
1: Ono Band? It's awesome, John Lennon. I I didn't really sink into his solo stuff. I listened to Beatles, 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 and I had a couple of his albums and after you know the vinyl re-revolution, picking up old records and and all that, really digging into what he was doing and starting as I've matured and grown up, And not, oh, the Beatles should have gone on. I've changed my mind listening to him and and the other guys getting to know these people outside of that. And I think that's what he was doing here for himself was what what am I? I'm not a Beatle. I'm done with that.
0: Now I have to be this other person. Yeah. And it's not just like the freedom from the band, but also the, the freedom from George Martin as well. You know who I think was kind of
2: a, a father figure and kind of held their hand through the the whole you know tenure of the the Beatles. I was really taken by this record. I found it to be very captivating. Like he said it's a very like kind of naked sounding record. Um, I was I was shocked if Phil Spector was involved with this. You know, knowing what he's this big sound he's known for. This is like the opposite of that. It's so honest and I don't want to say it's simple, but there's a real clarity to what he's saying in all these songs that I think is. Striking and really cuts right to the heart of things. You know, like you said, he's definitely working through some stuff. He's got a lot he wants to get off his chest, it seems. I found the whole thing captivating and very interesting. covers a wide range of sounds, too. I was really expecting more just like kind of the simple piano and guitar sound. But there's a few rockers on here and uh, some really interesting interesting moments. I really enjoyed it.
1: I think, unfortunately, not that Imagine isn't a great song, but that song has framed most people's perspective on what john lennon's solo work was yeah totally and there's a fuzzy white album experimentation type of guitar stuff that we heard little little tastes of in the beatles albums but he gets to unleash it here which is awesome
0: well, let's listen to some more of the record let's do uh working class hero
2: Working class hero is
1: something to be. Hey, Don, did Johnny Cash ever do that on one of his Cash albums? Because he totally Working should have.
0: Heroes. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right? I, yeah, I don't know if he did. That's Yeah, that would have been a perfect one for him. What blows my mind is... I mean, this is only like seven or eight years after Please Please Me, you know? And so just to see the evolution of this artist, you know, it's almost uh, unrecognizable. Let, let's hear a little bit of uh, Look At Me. What can I do for you? Here
1: I am. That song reminded me of Julia from the White Album, but it also, there was something Paul McCartney-ish about it to me as well. And I don't know how to put my finger on it, but it had a brightness that felt like Paul.
0: Yeah, that, um, that guitar strumming pattern there. I think you can hear that in Julia, maybe Dear Prudence. And I, I read that, that Donovan actually took credit for showing John Lennon that, you know, that particular way of, uh, strumming the guitar. So, <laughs> Oh,
1: <laughs> Donovan. What, what, for, for people out there, let's at least name, what's Donovan's biggest song? um mellow yellow yeah mellow yellow so yeah donovan did a lot of writing for other people but mellow yellow is what he's best known for so i guess he had to take credit for someone else's stuff
0: (laughs) (laughs) donovan likey
2: (laughs) we talk about god for a second it's a little heavy for this show. <laughs> we usually don't get into religion on this show, but now the next track, after Look at Me, it just kind of blew me away the first time I heard it. Um, I don't think I had heard it before. For I guess that, that song goes through a bunch of things that he doesn't believe in. God and religion is one of them, and the one the last one on the list there is doesn't believe in the Beatles, right? So what was the reaction, I guess, to the at the time this came out?
0: Yeah, well, I imagine that was a, a knife through the heart of, uh, of many Beatles fans uh, at the time. Yeah, again, you know, I guess what I love about this album is that it's just so like unapologetically not the Beatles. And he's just like clearly stating it, you know, the Beatles are dead. The dream is over. It's just John now. And, and I'm, you know, and I'm moving on. I don't. Know. I mean, it, there's sort of a positive message there. You know, it's like you know, time to time to to move on.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And and I wish that the album had closed with this song, God, instead of My Mummy's Dead. I get why that decision was made. You know, tying it with Mother uh, with, as the opening track, but closing this album with the line, "I don't believe in Beatles. I believe in me, Yoko and me." It's just more impactful to me. He's got this new partnership, Tim and Yoko moving forward. It was him and the Beatles in the past, but now Tim and Yoko. That that would have been more powerful for me.
0: It's kind of a, you know, Beatles thing, you know, to have like this big ending, but then they throw something else in at the end. Uh, just like with, uh, you know, Abbey Road ends with in that big way. And then was yeah, like the climax yeah. and then
2: there's like a little wrap up at the end.
1: That's true. The original bonus track. Yeah, but the funny part is that album, although not a Beatle anymore, was largely about the Beatles, <laughs> you know?
2: Irony. <laughs> that's a really good point, man.
1: But that's that's part of, uh, you know, self-therapy and and move, you know, moving forward, that's part of the process, right? You got to talk about You got to talk about the breakup.
2: Yeah. it really does feel like he's kind of this is a therapy session for John and we're just lucky that he's such an artist and can present these ideas that most people would have in a much more ugly way and such a, in a beautiful, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a dark nihilistic record, but I think there is a glimmer of hope to, to all these songs and even God, like he's, you know, he's the main point is he's getting back to himself and who he is and, stripping away all this extra stuff that's glommed on over the years. So, I think that is positive.
1: And the song Love is very positive, you know, about what what love is. And it's very simple. And I think a lot of people know that song. It's been used a lot in romantic settings. So, yeah, little bits and pieces of what this man was going through, the, the big breakup. I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons why they broke up and they probably should have done it sooner. But he had his lady love with him and had reason to be – looking forward and be happy too so it's not all doom and gloom
0: yeah so I think what one of the reasons I appreciate this album so much it's not so much that the that the songs are great um or you know that it's this well-produced work of art or something but it's just It's just so honest, you know, this is not a man who was trying to prove himself here. You know, I've heard theories. I, I think Bill Maher had this theory that the Beatles had to, they had to break up because, you know, John Lennon was sick of getting the B sides and, you know, I mean, in this case, so his first opportunity to, to put out a solo album, I mean, there's, the, he's not chasing hits there, you know, there's no hits uh, on this record. This is just a guy that's looking to to show the world what, you know, who he is. So I, I just I just love that uh, aspect of, of this album.
2: Yeah, it's hard not to respect that.
0: Okay, so that was John Lennon, Plastic Ono Band. And now a word from our sponsor, us. This is friendship.
2: Pure, unadulterated friendship. I oh, am. Yeah. album bands love the album format as much as we do want to uh, talk about it with some fellow album nerds check out the album nerds discord albumnerds.com slash discord discuss uh, topics for the wheel of musical destiny get to meet obi mark 3 yeah obi mark 3 is there with all his great recommendations so uh, yeah go to albumnerds.com slash discord and check it out
0: give me a bottle of anything and a glazed donut to go. Uh,
1: okay, so here we go. We've got Peter Gabriel, artiste, heady, concerned about the world around him. We've got John Lennon, Beatle, genius, concerned about his inner struggle and in becoming whatever he's going to become as a man. And then we've got David Lee Roth, who just wants to get laid and jump around on stage. So we're going to go <laughs> with, <laughs> with David Lee Roth's. Eat 'em and smile from July of 1986. Let's listen to a little bit of Yankee Rose. All right, so David can get deep too. He's, he's talking a little bit there about uh, Lady Liberty, the Statue of Liberty. That's uh, who he's dedicated that song to, Yankee Rose.
0: That's who it's about. 1986 was actually the, like, the birthday of the Statue of Liberty. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it was like the, the yeah, 100. they were doing a big renovation on it and all that stuff, yeah. So, yeah, he's a patriot. Uh, he's, those yeah. other t- those other two dudes are, like, British and stuff, and they don't care <laughs> about our union, but uh, David Lee Roth does.
2: Where is he from? Uh, he's American, but what part?
1: Yes, from Indiana, USA. He's a true Yankee. Yeah, so my three words... And this would make him happy, I think, Uh, to describe this album or simply David Lee Roth because that's who it's all about, (laughs) right? (laughs) In late 1985, Van Halen, he had left Van Halen. At first, he did a a solo EP with a bunch of covers like California Girls and I Ain't Got Nobody and then this was his first true full-length album. He put together a band. With a virtuoso guitarist, uh, Steve Vai, he got a really good bass player, Billy Sheehan, who went on to Mr. Big after this, and drummer Greg Bissonette. Yeah, so he brought together these guys basically to try and show that he didn't need Van Halen. Fellas, this is, uh, you know, kind of almost hair metal in a way. What do we think, guys? I
2: would classify this as like as like butt rock. Butt rock? You guys ever heard that term? No.
1: Yeah, yeah. Butt rock.
2: <laughs> it's like you want just like it's like it's kind of like dad rock, but more shaking, shaking your booty. Huh.
1: See, the the way I've heard butt rock described was that it, it was coined in the nineties, late nineties, early two thousands for bands like Creed and stuff, right? And I had also read that the radio stations back then would say we play nothing but rock, and that's kind of where it came Uh-oh. from. But then it it took on a second <laughs> T. Oh, interesting. And that Buck Cherry sort of vapid rock for the sake of it without any substance yeah, beneath it. Right, right.
2: Yeah, so that's a pretty accurate description of how I feel
1: about this. Well, the, uh, I, I'm only going to agree because David Lee Roth at times was known to wear pants with
2: the butt cheeks cut out. So that truly is butt rock, if <laughs> you ask me. <laughs> that's, that is about as butt rock as you got. Um, No, you know what? There are some actual really impressive moments on here. Like you mentioned, the guitar virtuosity uh, is uh, very impressive at times. I think especially at the beginning of the record, Uh, I played Yankee Rose, but the next track, Shy Boy, is also really tight. The playing is really well together, and the guitar playing is impressive. I wish there was more of it later on in the record. There's some weird songs on here, though, that I think really take me out of that Butt rocking place that I was in initially, uh, like I'm easy and and uh, that's life. I don't know. Like those two in particular really stood out to me as kind of being sore thumbs in the in the mix. But overall, yeah, I would say mixed, mixed. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. for me, Don? Donnie.
0: Well, uh, I'm. I'm glad that I had a a chance to check out this album. Of course, I, I grew up with Van Halen in the, in the '80s, and I was never like a huge fan. But you know, as I as I matured, I, I started to appreciate them, and I I like them a, a a lot. But I, I I hadn't really heard much of the the Roth solo stuff other than you know California Girls and Just the Gigolo. So I, I guess I was I was shocked by how much this sounds like a a Van Halen record. I mean, I think for Van Halen fans at the time, this was probably more what they were hoping for than, than what, you know, the rest of the band actually, actually put out.
1: Yes. I agree with that. I think that what Van Halen did with Sammy Hagar was more substantive and could have legs but what Van Halen did without him was scalable because they were able to build something new and build on top of it and morph and change and have hits and be successful, but in many ways, be more like Van Halen than Van Halen. Van Halen was the David Lee Roth screaming, kicking, jumping around crazy party guy stuff, and the more grown-up version was Van Halen. So, huh. let's get back to the party. Why don't we listen to a little bit of Shy Boy? Van Halen? <laughs> Steve I was really good on this, but the difference was it felt, felt felt sort of disconnected, right? I mean, he was doing his David Lee Roth thing. He's out being the front man, and the band. It didn't feel like they were sharing anything. It was all DLR and. That's part of what's great about it, but why it wasn't sustainable for him to keep making records like that. You can only take so much of that, then he gets to be 35, 40, and it's like, dude,
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) get a grip. Yeah, doesn't work anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean a lot of this uh, you know it just just sounds like a you know a Van Halen record. He wants to put forth the the fun, you know, the what he contributed to to Van Halen. You know, it doesn't seem like he has much more to offer. <laughs> you know, like I think typically a, a a solo artist, you know, they've got some direction they want to go in or something. They've got something new to say. And I think other than like doing these like lounge covers and stuff like that, these kind of gimmicky things, I don't th- know that he really has anywhere to go um other than just doing Van Halen stuff and a couple of lounge songs. Yeah, I agree.
1: Uh, I mean, this album is a hell of a lot of fun. I think he succeeded. It was a big seller. I mean, he totally succeeded. It just, like I said, it's unsustainable. It couldn't last long, but he came out of the gate with a great record of all of his own devising, writing on it and all of that stuff. Let's listen to a little bit of... Ladies' Night in Buffalo, which he did go some really interesting places on this album. In this case, sort of a sounds a little bit like late seventies Rod Stewart to me, kind of bluesy. Let's listen to a little bit of this. These these were some. This was one of the wins on here when he went outside of that Van Halen box. Yeah, I, I can totally see uh, Rod Stewart and Leopard Pants prancing around to this one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, that was the one track that really stood out to me where they felt like they were really playing together as a band, like on all cylinders like that. That was interesting. The rest of it. Yeah, I kind of agree with what Don was saying or just sounds detached.
0: I was listening to this record this morning with, with my wife, and at one point, I you know I just pointed out like how different Vise playing is from from Eddie Van Halen. But then all of a sudden there was some solo in the middle. I can't remember which song it was now, but it sounds almost exactly like an Eddie Van Halen solo. Yeah, he's,
2: he's really good, man. When he gets his moments on here, they, he totally grabs him by the balls and <laughs> kills him.
1: Yeah, so like to me, for the most part, it, Elephant Gun and 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 Big Trouble has this kind of Red Hot Chili Peppers, Funky Monks vibe to it. So, he does take some chances and most of them are at least acceptable or or wins, but That's Life and I'm Easy are those kind of big band things. And for me, two of those tracks was too much. One of them would have been fine. Uh, but otherwise, I think this was a successful departure. It was everything he wanted it to be and everything most Van Halen fans were looking for at the time. So, Yeah. I think DLR did himself pretty nice on this album. I think it's a, a fun contrast with the other things we were talking about today. I mean, we could have gone deep on some other, you know, Paul Simon or something, but <laughs> Diamond Dave brought the party. That's how we're going to close it out today. So go check out, if you haven't, David Lee Roth, Eat 'Em and Smile. What did we learn, guys? Have we grown? That's how you grow. You got a show. What you know, you know? Oh.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, what did we learn? Um, well, I mean, a biggest takeaway, I think, you know, when you go in solo, it gives you a lot of freedom. chance to experiment, explore things that maybe the group was holding you back from doing. And I think we saw that on all these records. I mean, we just talked about those kind of pavilion, big band uh, experimentations there with David Lederoth. Um, can't imagine hearing that in a... And Helen, in Context. Um, same with, I think, John Lennon right down. I mean, um, got some pretty pretty interesting um, lyrical content out of him on that record. And uh, yeah, same with Peter Gabriel there. Some interesting production techniques and really kind of getting more into that, the pop space and than Genesis was dealing with in the 70s. So yeah, I think experimentation and freedom are the biggest pluses. What do you guys think?
0: Well, I mean, we each you know, provided an example of you know, kind of going solo, going well. You right. Know? Um, yeah. So you know, <laughs> these were. They, it might have been fun to you know maybe find some that you know maybe maybe didn't go quite as well. But I would you know I would tend to think when it doesn't go well, it's because maybe there's a little too much exploration. You know, maybe you don't have a producer kind of reining in all of those those thoughts. But yeah, I mean, we picked you know I think three certainly successful uh, solo artists. Yeah, I guess sometimes
1: breakups and divorces are for the best like not necessarily everyone becomes superstars from it and there are bands that someone leaves and their solo career doesn't take off but maybe it's still better for them as a human being and maybe it's better for the fans if the band ceases or ceases that relationship if if the music's going to suffer right i mean people forcing it and staying together for the kids is not usually the best move (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, I, I know it hurts. I know it hurts when your favorite bands split off in some fashion and you always want them to get back together, but I'd say embrace what was. That's kind of what I learned listening to these. And strap in for the ride of maybe something new that comes next from from one of the members or, or some part of the band. So, just accept the breakup and let the chips fall. Sounds very Lennon-esque there, man. They're just songs. <laughs> All right. So... <laughs> That's one to grow on.
2: Oh wow. You know what time it is, boys and girls? Mm, <laughs> nope. You no, know, do you know what time it is? No, it's time to spin the musical Wheel of Destiny. Yes, everyone's favorite part of the show. We get to hear what we're talking about on next week's episode. So let's see what the wheel has to say.
0: I'm your density. The Great American
1: Songbook Mm -hmm. So that's going to be an album that features multiple songs considered to be part of The Great American Songbook Wikipedia Help me out here, (laughs) brother
2: (laughs) Sounds interesting Look forward to that
1: It'll either be really hard or really easy We'll see That's what she said (laughs) (laughs) Hey you.
0: Who's your favorite solo artist? To what else are you listening? Let us know. Join fellow album nerds on Discord at albumnerds.com slash Discord. You can email us at podcast at albumnerds.com or leave a voicemail at 585-210-2454. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at albumnerds. And if you'd like to support the show, do so via PayPal at albumnerds.com slash support or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks for listening to the Album Nerds Podcast. We'll catch you next time with some
1: great american songbook songs <laughs> good luck
0: yeah thanks for listening help me ob mark three you're my only hope <laughs> <laughs> that was good <laughs>